And welcome to episode 15 of the Hot Esquina podcast. Yo soy Enrique. I am joined by my co-host, Sean. We're going to be talking about the Baltimore series, giving you a recap of it. We're going to be discussing the tear that Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and a couple other Yankees have been on. We'll be talking about that guy. Yes, y'all know who I'm talking about. The guy that everybody on Yankees Twitter hates right now, Aaron Hicks. And we'll give you a preview of the upcoming Chicago White Sox series. And we'll be right back. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Are you back? And we're back. So before we get started, let me welcome on my co-host, Sean. Sean, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me back. Uh, glad to uh, be talking baseball and uh, recapping what happened uh, this series and this road trip. How was your honeymoon? Uh, I got to say, it was uh, it was good. Got a little sick, but it was uh, overall a very good honeymoon. Wish I was still there. <laughs> Well, we're happy to have you back, man. Uh, selfishly, we're happy to have you back. But, uh, <laughs> yes. You know, happy that you had a good time, man. I appreciate um, it. Well, uh, now that you're back, let's uh, let's get the ball rolling and uh, get into some baseball, man. Um, for those of you that didn't get to watch the entire series, um, the Yankees won yet another series, beating Baltimore as they should. Like, let's be real. <laughs> Um, they won six to two Monday with Severino pitching six one run innings with only an Anthony Santander solo homer being the only blemish in an otherwise solid start. I mean, the dude only gave up one hit, two walks and seven K's. You can't ask for more than that. Um, bullpen was also solid and offensively the Yanks had the long ball going this game with Jose Trevino hitting a three-run homer, Josh Donaldson and Anthony Rizzo also homering, and Stanton hitting a deep RBI double to left field. We'll get into that a little later. Um, that left field wall where had it been in another park, maybe that would have been a home run, and we'd be talking about four guys that homered this game. But I digress. Um, on Tuesday, the Yankees won 5-4. to four. Aaron Judge went four for five in this one with two home runs and three RBIs as he continues to drive up his price tag. On the pitching side, Jamison Tyone went five innings pitch with three earned runs, one walk, two Ks, allowing a home run. And the bullpen once again, especially Michael King, who pitched three perfect innings with six strikeouts, held it down. The Yankees then won three to two Wednesday, our ace, Garrett Cole, went seven innings pitched with five strikeouts, zero walks, gave up only two earned runs with Clay Holmes going the final two innings, allowing only one hit. That dude's been hella impressive this year. The Yankees only had one RBI in this one with the other two runs coming off a heads-up base running off of a Jordan Lyles wild pitch. So, you know, you had a little bit of everything in this one. You had solid pitching from our ace from our horse you had 
heads up base running. You had great defense, timely hitting. I mean, it wasn't a Bronx Bombers game, but it was still effective nonetheless. I'll take it. And then yesterday, being Thursday, we're recording Thursday, but by the time you guys hear this, it'll be Friday. Um, the Yankees lost nine to six in walk-off fashion with Anthony Santander. Mama, there goes that man again, hitting a three-run home run in the bottom of the ninth off Lucas Lickey. Jordan Montgomery actually got run support in this one. How about that? But it didn't matter as, you know, Rizzo being thrown out, injuries, and costly mistakes, especially a pretty costly one by Aaron Hicks that my co-host even made sure to, you know, put a video out on Twitter about that seemed to get a lot of traction, cost the Yankees this game. Before we transition into said player, Aaron Hicks, um, Sean, what did you think of the Baltimore series? What I felt about the series was the first two games I felt like went according to plan. Yankees are, are obviously a better team, and they showed it. For the Wednesday game, our MVP of the game was the wild pitch. And like it was a lot of times last season. And as for today's game, uh, it came off. You know, we had a nice 12-35 start. Uh, I think this was the game I was most nervous about, knowing that Zimmerman was on the mound and how he has always d uh, done well against us. Having Montgomery on the mound for us, which the Yankees don't seem to provide run support, and being a day game, which is a time where since last season – it felt like the Yankees always came out very sluggish on day games. But they flipped the script to start the game. They they came off with two runs in the first. Uh, Stan hit that single, which hit off the, the base of the wall. Uh, there was a stat on Twitter that showed that if they still had the old wall from last season, it would have been a home run. And it would have been a home run in 28 out of 30 ballparks. So it could have been 3 nothing, but... You know, it ended up only being two nothing. Stanton sitting on first base. Uh, so one in this series that went over that you know left field wall, that revamped left field wall. He said, "Bleep you, left field wall," <laughs> and he hit it out of out of that wall anyway. So, you know, I I posted it on Twitter, bro. Like, you know, I I I told, I literally tagged the Baltimore Orioles and I said, "I guess your renovations backfired on you, didn't it?" renovations didn't mean a damn thing to Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, and, and he, he made sure to prove that in his next at-bat. In the fourth inning, he hits that home run to left. He hits the base of the wall in the first. He says, I'm not doing that ever again. And he made sure to hit that way over the wall this time. And everyone talks about the the, the create a ballpark comments that Judge said, but and a lot of Oriole fans were upset by that. But it was also Trey Mancini who came out this morning and said, that he's right. I don't like it. We don't like it as as the players, uh, you know, playing 81 games here. We don't like that as a right-handed hitter. We know that we have to get all of the ball to maybe get into the first or second row. Doesn't seem fair. It's created Camden Yards to be a, a complete pitcher's ballpark. Anyway, to the rest of this game, uh, it, it started off 2-0. Uh, Montgomery gets the run support right from the jump. I was telling you off air that I feel like that's that's happened maybe a handful of times in Montgomery's career. Uh, Stanton hit the solo home run to tie it. 
Kainer Falefa comes up huge in the sixth. In a moment after Aaron Hicks and Jean uh, and Glaber Torres both struck out with the bases loaded and nobody out. Uh, ended up taking the lead 5-3. And then, of course, DJ LeMahieu. Top of the ninth, two outs. He comes up as clutch as you could possibly be as a baseball player. And he gets that opposite field. Bloop single to bring Connor Falefa all the way around from second base to score to tie this game. Looking like they were giving the Yankees all the momentum. And then um, Santander, for some reason, was the Yankee killer this series. Comes out and hits the walk-off three-run home run. But that's that was the recap of the last game. The pitching... Pitching looked pitching looked great. Montgomery looked as solid as as I would ever want him to be. Five innings, three runs, three earned. It got the job done and kept the Yankees in the game. I think Miguel Castro finally had his his first real struggle as a Yankee. Didn't record an out. Got two earned runs, three runs total, off just one hit and a walk. It was a very odd outing from Castro, who was you know facing his former team. And then you had Chad Green come up. He came in and he got the two outs, but then eventually uh, got hurt and had to be taken out of this game. And we're still waiting on news to hear, you know, what what the issue is there. It he said it, it was a forearm strain, from what I heard, which yeah. never sounds good. Not ever not for a pitcher. No. <laughs> so that's that's you know. Hopefully, we hear back early in the morning. And we can, you know, we find out what the severity is. Hopefully it's nothing. I pray it's nothing. Knock on wood, it's nothing. Marwin Gonzalez got hurt this game too, right? Yes, Marwin Gonzalez got hurt in the ninth. He seemed to take an awkward swing and and he was, it looked like he was grabbing his shin, but Michael K said it was his knee. He got removed from the game as soon as he struck out looking. We had no bench for the remainder of the game. But, you know, so we'll have to check in on what the situation is with with him as well, and uh, see if there's going to be upcoming moves for the homestand. Who who's coming up? Who's coming down? Are they both going to be okay? Is day to day? We'll find out. Wandy kept us in the game. He comes in and you know does two shutout innings, no hits, two strikeouts, and he's looked great this season with a 1.38 ERA. He's kind of like the one like one of the guys that nobody's talking about because of how amazing King and Holmes have been. Hey, you don't even you, we haven't even brought up Peralta in this conversation, but we will eventually. Yeah, he's been steady. I I've liked what we've what we've gotten out of him, man. Um, speaking of that man, the public enemy number one in Yankees Twitter right now, Aaron Hicks. What the heck is up with this dude? Like, I I posted a tw- a question on our on our Twitter page, um, a poll actually. If the Yankees should DFA Aaron Hicks right now, bro, when I tell you, <laughs> when I tell you that that poll was a landslide, my brother, I will put it, I'll, I will give you the numbers right now. The answer to that poll was a resounding 94% to the answer. Hell Yes. And only six percent of fans said, "Nah, nah, he'll turn it around." I was one of those fans who said, "Nah." <laughs> <laughs> I, 
So, I mean, 94% of Yankee fans think it's time to move on. I'm guessing by what you just said, you're not one of them. Uh, what's your thoughts on Hicks, brother? Well, I'm going to make this clear. I am not a fan of Aaron Hicks. I feel like I've said this in the past. Uh, but I know that everyone has a lot. The emotions are high, especially with games like this where you go over four or three strikeouts and you have that huge mistake in center field of taking your time and really costing the Yankees probably the game today you could you could say there was a lot on, on him and so Yankee Twitter Yankee fans every you know that that's the number one enemy right now as he's probably been for the majority of the season yeah yeah and and listen and rightfully so I mean he just even even Meredith Morakovic said it in the in the broadcast earlier today where he just seems lost at the plate that he doesn't know what approach to take. He doesn't know, you know, whether sometimes whether to just go for base hits or sometimes to go for power. Like he, he seems lost at the plate. And, you know, I think she put it, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember her exact words, but I think it was something along the lines of, her saying that he told her that he's chasing results, which when you're a baseball player and you're doing that, that's never a good thing. You're not supposed to go up to the plate chasing results. You're supposed to just do what you've done your entire lifetime and just have a consistent routine, a consistent approach, and eventually the results will come. You're not supposed to go up chasing results and being desperate to get those results that you want because that's when strikeouts or pop-ups or weak contact happen and I can tell you I'm not a baseball player anymore I used to be um nor do I you know claim to know what it's like to be a major leaguer I've never been one just like just like you haven't but as somebody that used to play ball from T-ball all the way to high school and somebody that still plays softball today, you know, on a weekly basis, I can tell you that the last thing you want as a hitter, doesn't matter what level of baseball you, you play, is weak contact or no contact at all in, in Aaron Hicks's case. So, I mean... He's got to slow down, bro. Like, he's got to slow down. He's got to, you know, woosa and just relax a bit and just get back to those basics. You know what I'm saying? That's just me. I, I don't know if you have a different opinion, but I, I feel like the more he presses and chases those results, the worse it's going to be. And eventually he's going to force the Yankees' hand and – they're not going to have a choice but to make a move on him. What trade value does he have? They, The more realistic thing would be the Yankees releasing him at this point and eating up his, his uh, remaining contract that they still owe him. Yeah, I uh, I agree with, uh, with the majority of what you said. Um, I feel the same way. You took the sentence right out of my mouth. When you're chasing results, the harder it becomes to get them. Because now you're focusing on, you know, trying to to capitalize on something where you just you got to take it one pitch at a time. Like you said, I'm not a major league baseball player. Every every pitch is 
coming in at 90 plus. It's harder. It's more difficult. I get it. But he's a major leaguer too. He's been doing this for about a decade now. He's 32 years old, almost 33. He is a veteran in this game. Uh, and But he, he has struggled. He has struggled to put bat on ball. He's hitting 196 this year. He hit 194 in 34 games last year. So we're not seeing much of a difference. Yes, granted, I, I will give him his credit. His on-base percentage is 331 this year, which is, is not terrible. It's a pretty good number. But as we, as everyone on Yankees Twitter knows, I don't even need to say the stat. We already know when Aaron Hicks comes up with runners in scoring position, we know what happens, and it becomes almost, it almost becomes laughable as as we are laughing about it now because we just know like he's just struggled so mightily, especially with chasing the results to get a run in. He's focusing too much. You just gotta just get bad on ball to see what happens. Sean, you played baseball when you were younger too. I'm I'm assuming, right? Yep. Yep. High school ball, I'm assuming. Yeah. Just like me. Okay. So let me ask you, when you were playing high school ball like like I did, like a lot of us did, when you were going through any kind of slump, whether it was a five-game slump or you know, an extended slump like his, wouldn't your coach tell you the same thing we're saying now like hey, relax, it'll come? You know, don't don't press out there. Keep doing what you've always been doing. Eventually, it'll come. Isn't that what, like, even little league coaches tell players? Yeah, yeah, and I bet you his coaches have been telling him that. You know, hit strikes hard. That's been basically the motto, and I think I think he follows that motto, but I think at the same time he really cares about being a leader for this team. And human, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and, and it creeps up. It, you know, you you see, you know, you're the injury-prone years, the last couple of years. You know you're already on thin ice. You're in New York where every at-bat is, is microscoped and magnified, and, and the struggles continue. So it only just sells the frustration, the anger, and the, the hope to just get something done, and it just keeps not happening. So we're at the point now where he's on the thinnest device, and we'll see where it goes. And listen, I can sympathize with him, you know, being in a lineup with guys like Judge, Stanton, and Rizzo, and guys like that, you know, it it can be dawning on you, you know what I'm saying? Because you're in a lineup where you're seeing guys like that hit the ball the way they do, and, you know, you don't want to be the weak link. You want to produce and you want to show, hey, you know, I can contribute to this team too. You know what I'm saying? So I can sympathize with him, but at the end of the day, sympathizing with with him only gets so far because, you know, sympathy ain't going to score runs. Sympathy ain't going to, you know, play solid defense. Like, the guy needs to turn it around. If not, bring somebody else up, give somebody else a chance. Bro, give Florial a chance for all I care. At the end of the day, if if he's not gonna do it, give another person a shot. You know. Um, speaking of Giancarlo and and Judge, um, I know we wanted to get into those guys. Um, how about Judge Rizzo and Stanton? Man, I feel like those three have carried this club all season long. At first, it was Rizzo. Like, I feel like he 
was the catalyst in the beginning of the year. You know, um, he was leading the majors for a little while in home runs and Stanton was right behind him. And now judge is picking it up judge. It's like, it's like a click went off in his head. Like, bro, this is my contract year. This is my chance to prove the Yankees. Hey, y'all ain't want to pay me. Now I'm going to show you the mistake you made not paying me before the season. Now I'm going to drive my price range up by having a monster year by betting on myself the way I did. And the results have been beautiful, bro. Like we got literally a three-headed monster in that lineup, and it's been beautiful to watch. What do you think, brother? Uh, absolutely. I fully 100% agree with you. Um, Judge is off the charts right now. You know, on the season, he's hitting 307, 14 home runs, and 30 RBIs. He His war already is over two. And we're we're only thirty something games into the season. It's it's incredible. It, that it's an incredible rate, and he's it's been uh, he's been on fire just since the the series, the Cleveland series, the homestand. He's hitting three thirty three with a four fifty six on base percentage and a one point two oh eight OPS. That's that's like video game numbers. And uh, unbelievable. And if you go to the other Bash brother with, with Stanton, he's doing almost the same thing. He's hitting 345 since that homestand, 431 on base, and a 1.098 OPS. Again, video game numbers. And it's just when you have those two clicking at the same time, I, I don't know how a team could beat us, especially with the with the pitching that we have right now. This is what we envisioned when we traded for Stanton, like exactly. this, this was literally what every single Yankee fan was giddy about. And, you know, basically crashing Twitter about the fact that you could have these two guys in the lineup at the same exact time doing exactly what they're doing. And yeah, it took a few years for it to happen, but it's finally happening. And it's a beautiful thing to see, bro. And then you throw Rizzo into the mix. My goodness. Yeah. Rizzo is always gonna be one of my one of my favorite players. And I liked him before he was ever a Yankee and uh he's just he is the glue for this team. And he you know, he seems like uh even though yes, Judge is the unofficial captain of this team basically, I feel like Rizzo is one of the leaders in this clubhouse and is someone I feel like even Aaron Hicks can 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 go and, and talk to on struggles you know Rizzo has been through his struggles himself he's been through the highest of highs and the lowest of lows even to this year you know Rizzo yeah he has his 10 home runs and his 24 RBIs his numbers have looked great to start the year but he's struggled he's hitting 234 to start the year that's obviously not the number he's looking for but you know he he continues to go out there every day and just say I'm gonna get bad on ball hopefully I'll help this team what what can I do to help this team today? That's that's the mentality you got to have. Forget yesterday. Focus on today. That's right. That's absolutely right, man. I mean, listen, like I said, it's it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, you know, when you ha when you have a three headed monster like that, it's it's hard for opposing coaches and and pitching coaches especially to plan around it because you know it's like you literally have to tippy toe around this lineup 
basically if you're an opposing pitcher so it's it's awesome and then you know if you get Joey Gallo to turn it around and and produce if you get you know this type of production consistently from DJ at the top of the lineup bro like I feel like you're good I feel like you're Absolutely. good you know what I'm saying and um you know Glaber seems to be turning it around yeah. He could be a nice contributor to this lineup, you know what I'm saying? And he doesn't have to do much because of those three guys that we mentioned carrying the load. He just needs to be, you know, efficient. Just do what you do, put bat on ball, like you said. And then, bro, if you get production from the catcher position, like we're getting from Trevino. Yeah. I mean, bro, you could have. <laughs> you could have something very special going on in the Bronx this season. You know what I'm saying? Especially absolutely. if the pitching does their end, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. And you can even, you can even bring in, you know, someone like Gallo who, you know, Gallo, obviously everyone loves to hate Gallo and because he's not, he is the three dimensional hitter that, that we joke about he's either the strikeout the walk or the home run and he's even talked about it. yes he knows he knows he's a three-dimensional hitter and but you know since the homestand as well he he's picked it up he's picked up his game in 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 a big way and he's helped out even though he has a low average he's still getting on base at a good amount and he's trying he's doing the same thing he just knows i got a i had a bad day yesterday i had three strikeouts yesterday i'm gonna come up and Try to get a hit tomorrow. And that's what you got to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if everybody, like I said, man, you look at this lineup, if everybody just does what they can do, you know, like, like the old saying goes, if they can play to the back of their baseball cards, we'll be just fine. Yeah. You know? Um, but anyway, uh, speaking of the back of their baseball card, uh, I wanted to move on, Sean, to uh, a rumor that's been floating around in Yankees Twitter regarding a pitcher that if he plays to the back of his baseball card could be a very nice addition to this rotation. Uh, this certain pitcher, I've been clamoring for him ever since there was rumors about the Yankees possibly trading for Matt Olson. I wanted this guy to be thrown in a Matt Olson deal in the off season. Unfortunately, it didn't happen because the Yankees didn't trade for Matt Olson, even though I'm very happy with Anthony Rizzo. But I always said, you know, when that rumor was going on about Olson, that I didn't want just Olson. I wanted either Olson and Sean Manaya or Olson and the pitcher we're about to talk about, Frankie Montas. Now, you know, fast forward, Matt Olson is a brave. Sean Manaya has been traded as well. But Frankie Montas is still available. He is still a, an Oakland A, and there is rumors that the A's are willing to move on from him, especially being that he only has one year left on his deal, which is an arbitration-eligible year. And then... He's a free agent in 2024. Could Brian Cashman pull off one of his ninja type moves and basically swerve the Oakland A's into trading us Frankie Montas because of the fact that he's about to be a free agent and, you know, 
doesn't have that team control that the A's would covet and could use uh, as leverage versus other teams in in a trade scenario. Definitely see it. For those who don't know about this rumor, Jim Bowden of The Athletic was the one who posted that that the Athletics were going to move on from Montas well before the trade deadline, which then John Heyman came in and he said that the Yankees, the Twins, Mets, White Sox, and the Cardinals have all contacted or been linked to Montas within the last couple of weeks. So for those who didn't know, now you're caught up. Uh, yeah, I think Frankie Montas linked to the Yankees. I think it could definitely work. Uh, he is a f- phenomenal pitcher. I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. I think he does a little bit now because he's, you know, uh, he's everyone's looking at him because they know the athletics are in fire sale mode. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think now he's finally getting the recognition he deserves. Um, he was him and maybe one or two others are the only guys left on the athletics with, with relative value, but I could definitely see the Yankees pulling off a trade with the athletics. They've done it well before we've done it with Sonny Gray a couple years back. I could definitely see the Yankees, you know, the Yankees definitely have the minor league players to make this trade happen. So I could definitely see it and I could definitely see, Boone making something work with the six starter type rotation to and also giving Severino his extra days while he comes back from his injury and uh, moving some things around and Tyone too to give him extra days here and there. So I could definitely see it happen and, and I would not be opposed to it at all. And listen, like I said uh, just recently, I don't think it's going to cost you much prospect wise because unlike other players that Oakland has traded who are under team control for several years, they only have them for this year and next year. And that's if they weren't going to trade them next year anyway, depending on how his arbitration case goes. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, we all know Oakland doesn't like to pay anybody. So let's just say this guy has a monster 2022 and you know, being that he has that monster 2022, he wins his arbitration case and he gets a raise from his $5 million. $5 million, Sean, that's all he's making. He'll definitely get a raise from that figure if he has a good year. And if he gets a raise from that $5 million figure, the A's are going to move on from him anyway. Mm -hmm. So given that he only has this year and his arbitration eligible year left, Oakland doesn't have that much leverage. You know what I'm saying? At least, in my opinion, I don't think they have that much leverage to command the King's ransom because any team that would engage them in trade talks is going to be like, why should we give you a King's ransom for a possible rental? He's going to be a free agent in two years. Why are we going to give you a King's ransom for that? So I feel like it's the perfect opportunity for Cashman to swoop in and take advantage of the fact that they don't have that leverage that they normally have with their young and, you know, promising players that are under team control, like a Matt Olsen that, you know, 
Atlanta had to give up a real King's ransom to get. I don't think that's the case with Frankie Montas. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, I think the only leverage you could also like. It's funny that you say that because I think that the leverage that they could potentially have is that there is two years left and it's not one. But at the same time, everyone knows that Athletics don't want to pay arbitration money anymore. You know they're not they're not going to want to pay him if he has if he keeps. The replica stats that he has now, 3.67 ERA, gets, you know, maybe 10 to 12 wins. He's probably going to get around 9 to 10 million come next arbitration. Athletics want nothing to do with that. So they know that they have to deal him before the deadline because they, if they can get rid of him now, they could probably get a pretty sweet deal now with people off balance. And, and for Montas right now, the Yankees, yes, the Yankees seem like a, a real probable option. But at the same time, you just go a couple towns over to the Mets and what's happened with them with DeGrom and Scherzer and now with their injuries, well, they could be very much in play as, as well. So we'll have to look out for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could very well be in play. You're you're absolutely right. I'm just, you know, as a Yankee fan, I'm selfishly hoping that Cashman can pull one of his ninja moves and like Me too. You know, you're, you're, you're not going to pull off like a Cashman Ninja type trade where you give up nothing. You know, I feel like Frankie Montas is the type of player that you're not going to just get for absolutely nothing. But I feel like given what we just mentioned, I feel like he could get away with getting him for less value than what, you know, he's worth, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? I see like, what you're saying, yeah. Like, I feel like Oakland still could get some good prospects in the deal, but they're not going to get the prospects they would like, you know? I feel like Oakland in any type of trade or teams like Oakland in any type of trade want top value. Like, you know, they want designer clothes type value you know they want versace they want these type of you know brands and yes. i feel like they're gonna have to lower their standards not to walmart standards you know what i'm saying like yeah. they're not they're not gonna get that's what i'm saying you're not gonna get away with getting montas for absolutely nothing which is walmart standards but i feel like they're gonna have to settle for like let's just say target, target. Target. They, yeah. We both, hit it. we both hit it at the same time. I that's love right. it. That's right. So, yeah. So, that's what I'm saying. So, I, I feel like if Cashman could get a Frankie Montas for a Target type return, I'd be happy with that. Absolutely. 100%. So, so we'll see. We'll see what goes down with that. Um, So, moving on. Um. Let's let's give the people a, a series preview for what's to come, which is once again, we're facing the Chicago White Sox. I feel like recently all we've done is face either the White Sox or the Baltimore Orioles, bro. I feel like it's like, you know, one of those like scratch CDs that's like on repeat, like, you know, like it keeps just repeating on the same thing. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I digress. Yankees got a three game set coming up with 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 Chicago with the Southsiders. Uh you got Dallas Keiko versus El Orgullo de Hialeah 
el cubano que está matando la cosa, que está en fuego, Nestor Cortez, tomorrow. You got Johnny Cueto, not for nothing, but I didn't even know he was still pitching, but you got Johnny Cueto against Luis Severino on Saturday. And then on Sunday, uh, Chicago hasn't named the starter yet, uh, so it's to be determined. And whoever that starter is, is going to go against Jamison Tyone. The White Sox are currently 18 and 19, second place in their division. They're four and six in their last 10, and they've only won one game against the Yankees this season. Uh, the, season's, the season series so far is three to one. Um, Sean, what do you think of this upcoming White Sox series, bro? Uh, we sh this should be another series win, am I right? Absolutely. I think I think taking three out of four in Chicago, obviously it was a good start, but I think it, it shows that we could beat this team and we could beat them in their own ballpark. And I feel more confident coming to the Bronx and being able to take two out of three at the very minimum. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, bro, with the way, look, with the way Nestor's pitching right now, you know, Yeah, we struggled against Dallas Keiko in the past, but Dallas Keiko is not the same Dallas Keiko he used to be. And Nestor Cortez is pitching on another level. He's pitching on Cy Young Award level, at least so far. You know, let's see if, if you know, I spoke on, about this on the last episode. It remains to be seen if he'll continue on this crazy level of pitching he's on. But if he does, I don't see any reason why you lose a game where you got Nestor Cortez against Dallas Keiko. Let's just be real. So I'm yeah. marking tomorrow down as a dub. Like I'm going to go ahead and make a bold prediction and mark tomorrow's game down as a dub. You got Severino who's okay. He's been a little up and down, but he's still, you know, given the circumstance and given what he's bouncing back from and fighting back from, You know, I, I said on the last episode, you're talking about a guy that when we last saw him before this season, he was working his his strength and, and stretching himself out, working out of the pen, for goodness sakes. You know, you got to be happy with what you're seeing from Luis Severino. And come on, really, against an older Johnny Cueto? We're not talking about the same Johnny Cueto that used to pitch for the Reds and was dominating. You should win that game too. The one that worries me is the Jamison Tyone start. I don't know who we're going to be going against, but, you know, Jamo is probably going to be the weak link in that series as far as, like, the probables go. So, I mean, but even then, even then, let's just say Chicago brings in somebody that, we could beat like a young kid or whatever. Because I mean, obviously if it says to be determined, I'm assuming that means they're going to call somebody up for that game. And if they do, I like our chances with JMO against whoever they call up. So, I mean, I see no reason why you can't sweep this series or at least come away with two out of three. I think, I think the last couple of years, the Yankees have, have had their number, um, you know, from, Winning five out of six last year, obviously losing the Field of Dreams game, but we we beat them the two games in Chicago and we swept them back home. 
last year, and that was a year that I don't like to talk about very much because that was a very difficult year for a lot of Yankee fans. I bet you could agree. If we go back to the first game where you were talking about Nestor Cortez, Nestor Cortez does eight innings, three hit, one run ball, and his career high in, 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 in how far he's gone in a game, beating his other career high from the start before, like you said, dude is on an absolute another level. Throw eight innings in Chicago, not many people still do in this game. And he did it, and he looked like he was doing it so easily. Uh, and he, he's just, like you said, another level, and I, I very much look forward to tomorrow's game. I think even though Dallas Keuchel, for his entire career against us, has always seemed to keep us down and, and, and have us under control, even in his last start against us, he, he did pretty well. I still think the Yankees can come out and win that game tomorrow. Um, regarding Saturday's game, Severino on a day game, he had a great start last last start, and you know he's he's still three point six three ERA. You know we talk about his his downside and his ups and whatever, but that's still a great start to the year. You know yeah. he had he went six innings, you know one hit last in his last start. You know that what else can you ask for? You know that's yeah. that's as perfect as it gets. Um, and so, yeah, I, I expect the Yankees to come out and win that game as well. Yeah, I think the Tyone one is a little on the scary end because we don't know who Chicago is going to put at us. But I think uh, I still think that the Yankees should go out and win that series. We seem to have Hendricks's number. We certainly had Joe Kelly's number last in the last series. So I feel like we can most definitely, you know, get a, a nice sweep here or a minimum two out of three. You got to, man. You got to. You gotta. You gotta keep riding this high of of winning almost every series that you play. You know what I'm saying? Like Yankees are on a tear, bro. Do you realize that the only series they've lost this year, ironically, was against Baltimore? Like yeah. that's insane. That's insane when you think about it. So, I mean, I don't see a reason why you can't win this series and keep that streak going. Uh, I feel like our pitching is better than theirs. You know, I feel like our hitting is better than theirs, even though they got some, they got some hitters on that team. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I mean, come on, they're, they're 18 and 19 for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Barely 500. They're, they're one game under 500. That, that, that should show you, that this is a team you should beat. Yeah, it's not, you know, you're not going against a Baltimore Orioles team who's a who's a bottom of the cellar team, but you're not going against the top of the top. You know what I'm saying? You're not going against an elite team either where you should struggle, you Absolutely. know? So we, we're in agreement, bro. I think this should be another series win, and uh, hopefully by the next time we're recording, we can talk about yet another series win and look forward to getting another series win after that and just keep this train rolling Sean you know what I'm saying I just want to say real quick as an X factor I think the X factor of this series is going to be Stanton again Stanton has had Chicago's number since last year and this year he's hitting 545 against Keuchel this year I mean in his career in his career and he's hitting 412 against Cueto in his career I expect him to have another remarkable series and we'll be talking about him first probably in our very next podcast so i I look forward to a great weekend well brother listen 
usually when you predict stuff or when you say that there's a match <laughs> factor or a player to watch, usually it comes to fruition. For those of y'all that don't remember, this is the man that predicted a nice little stretch of baseball from Joey Gallo before he broke out of his slump and started hitting home runs. And we were talking about Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo, the Italian connection doing this thing. Sean gave y'all the insight and the prediction to that. He said, watch out for Joey Gallo against, you know, this and this and this pitcher. He's had a good career against them. Watch out. And then bam. So usually you're, you're dead on when you call this stuff, my friend. I do my homework. What else can I say? <laughs> Either that or you're a wizard, brother. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. You must have some magic under your... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wish. But, um, but on that note, man, on that awesome note where we're laughing and everything, I think we're going to call it an episode, Sean. Um, thank you for coming on. Thank you for joining the hot esquina officially for those of y'all that don't know sean is uh on board bro he's he's a part of this pod now so look forward to having you on many more times with me brother um you want to give people your your socials like we always do at the end of the show so they know where to follow you i'm mainly on twitter so sean negron 25 uh you could see me either post an in-game highlight I appreciate you uh, having me on. I, I thank you for uh, making me a part of the team. I look forward to bigger and better things. I cannot wait to show all of you fans out there what we have coming. We, we're we're going to take this beyond the next level. We got so many things cooking. It's going to be it's going to be a fun ride. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to, to being on that ride with you, man. Welcome aboard. Um, Yeah, for those of y'all that that don't already follow this man follow me at elijah's dad nyy both on twitter and instagram uh follow the show at hot esquina pod on both twitter and instagram you can also find our page on facebook keep your eye out keep a lookout for our next episode coming up which should be monday if i'm not mistaken so until then from me and sean we wish y'all the best of weekends. Have a good one and go Yanks.